Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 3. My name is Jeff Burkhart, Barfly columnist for the Marin IJ and author of the book 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirit of Adventures of a Real Bartender, and its sequel, 20 Years Behind Bars, Parole Denied. Today, my co-host is Kevin Blum, restaurant consultant and former community director of the online review site Yelp. Welcome, Kevin. Have a drink on me. Welcome back to the Barfly Podcast for part two of our conversation with Heidi Kraling, the chef owner of Insaladas and Marinitas in San Anselmo. In the restaurant business, it's a very physical job, oh. right? It's, it's, it's psychological, but it's also physical and it's demanding. And especially if you're working behind the line or behind the bar, those types of things. Because I was a cook for the first four years of my restaurant career, and that's hard, hard work. And I always joke with the people at my work, I'm getting too old to do this. And I'm not so sure I'm joking anymore sometimes, right? Oh, <laughs> Jeff, you're speaking my language. You know, it's just fascinating how, you know, we used to, we loved to beast it and could and did it well. Now it's like, ah, oh, not so much, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you know you can't. You know you did it. You know you can't. You know you can do it well. But, you know, these youngsters, they the young cooks and the young chefs, they've got what we had physically. Exactly. They don't have the so much the experience, the legs of the longevity of what you have gone through, but they certainly have the physical. But then neither did we. No. Right? When we were doing that, you know, that it, you just did what you did. It's nice to see the next generation coming along. It's just like this whole mixology thing for me is some people get a little bent out of shape about it. But I, I like the enthusiasm. I like seeing people being creative. I like seeing some of this stuff, uh, some of the arrogant edge to it. I don't care for so much, but the but the creativity is 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 unbelievable. Yeah, and 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 wonderful to watch. When people talk about the golden age of food, like it was some time in the past, I don't think that's true. I think we're coming into it continually. Yeah. It's it continually evolving. So true. So true. Well, how are things different now in the dining scene compared to when you first opened up the, this restaurant? Like you had well, mentioned, like the yeah. delivery, like the grub hubs and things like that. That changes the model a little bit, but yeah, we don't do that here. We do it down at Marinichas. It's as a necessity. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, what's changed uh, dining wise is that you know they trust us. You know, you had twenty five years of giving people yummy food and they trust us and that we can we can be a little bit more experimental mm-hmm. and we can be a little more edgy of doing things. You know, oh, this is the greatest story. So when I was at Smith Ranch, I, I gave them a lot of interesting Mediterranean food and I was walking down this long corridor and one of the uh, residents says, who was behind me goes, hey, Heidi, when are you going to make that fat tush salad again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just thought, I can't make that up, you know? And I just yeah. think that, you know, it was cool that, they're, that they yeah. were into it. And again, they trusted us. You had to kind of bring it along. Right. I think that's what we did 25 years now. Right. We just have brought it along where they, anything we put out in our takeout case, they, they want, mm-hmm. you know? And we start doing different things and they come in and they ask for it again. And so, you know, it's just built over time of what they will, you know, what they like. And same things with wines and cocktails. You know, we have, we have staff here that have been here almost the entire time. And they come in and they know them and they trust that if you say it's good, right. they're going to buy it. So we have that beautiful, you know, legacy of these. Uh, uh, one of the waiters has been here uh, 24 years. One of the busters who used to work with you has been here the entire time, you wow. know, and then several wait, wait staff have been here 20, 20 years. And so... You know, I think that's that's what goes concurrently with the good food is the hospitality service who will, they, they trust, right. they trust mm-hmm. that. So you can't, we, we've earned that, which is awesome. Yeah. We've earned that. I, I 
appreciate that. Well, that's a testament to, uh, to, to you and your staff and everything because people don't stay at no. places that they don't like. And if people don't stay at places they don't like, the customers also don't come in. And that's kind of that, that catch-22, not a catch-22, but the other, other side of that. Right? But interesting, during this pandemic, you know, you, there, are, there are not employees to be had. And it is, it is just an amazing uh, feat for us to keep this group together and when one one leaves or we need more, it's, it's what do we do? Right. <laughs> what do we do? I don't, right. I don't know how to do this because when I was when I was started here, we had multiple people to pick from. Everybody wanted to be in this restaurant business, particularly in the kitchen. I remember a gentleman at one of the Lifehouse events said, "Do you remember me?" He goes, "This was eight, ten years ago." He says, "I came in and applied for a job, and you didn't hire me." <laughs> and I go, and I said, want a job? <laughs> you know, I don't remember. I mean, you had good credentials. Right. I mean, I think somebody else came along that had better credentials. And right. now we're just like, oh, our, our, not to say our bar is low, but, you know, we, we, you know, we don't have that great selection and the ability to be choosy. You know, we, we train, you know, we're training as they come on. It's, a, it's very, very different than it was back very different. We used to get students from the Culinary right. Academy, the CIA, Tom Marie's Cooking School, all these, you know, regularly. And then they would stay on. They would, there would just be, you know, really an incredible selection of staff that were eager to work. And this business, as you know, Jeff, there are not a lot of people who are eager to be in this business. And it's, it's sad to me. It's really sad. Well, there seems to be a generational gap. And, you know, I've said this in my column a number of times. Two years in the restaurant business is an entire generation. And we've lost that. And that's, that's a big problem. And I don't know how, how that manifests itself for the future. People, people like yourself, they can bring people along. You can train someone if they have all the, the basic skills and do it. But some other restaurants don't know how to do that. They relied on this work pool that just doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's a difficult thing. And it's, you know, I call it a worker's paradise right now because people are making up their own uniforms or, you know, some restaurants you can't even tell what the staff are because they're wearing whatever they feel like, right? Tennis shoes and, and whatnot. You know, management's not really at liberty to do anything about them. Because they need someone there. You only want to work two days? Okay. <laughs> yes, <sure. laughs> okay. Who does that? Yeah. You know? Oh, gosh. You own two restaurants, you've written cookbooks, you have a family. Mm-hmm. So that's also a full time job, obviously. A lot on your plate. Yet you still make the time to mentor chefs. You donate a lot of your time to nonprofits and organizations. First of all, how do you do it? <laughs> and secondly, why do you do it? Well, you know, Kevin, I grew up in a family who gave a lot of service, and it was part of what we did. Mm-hmm. My dad and mom belonged to the St. Vincent de Paul, and the you know anything belonging anything with the church, we did it. We cooked it. We did it. Mm-hmm. We served it. We serviced, and it really, um, you know, back then I was like, really, <laughs> we have to do that on Sunday, and we just it just was part of what we did, mm-hmm. and it generally was always around food. But, there, you know, there were, we did a lot of other things that were not food-related. So my parents were very much into serving the community. So that, you know, I grew up with, and it was familiar to me. And then, you know, calling this Ensaladas, which is my family name, I just recognized about being in a very special, smaller community, living here, having my kids grow up here, that they're the ones supporting us. And so, and they so have. I mean, oh my gosh, have they. Every day, there's not a day that goes by that someone says, oh my gosh, you are feeding me in the time of this. Or You name it, I've heard it and I'm touched by it. You know, I think it took me a while to grow up and realize how important 
learning that at an early age was for my, for just for my life, my career, my life, and how much it resonated and how much it resonates with food. Because my family always gave food away mm-hmm. and they always were cooking. And that was just the touchstone that when I started this, I thought, this is what I have to do. When you call it enchiladas, you know, and yeah. it's your family, right, you know, yeah. it just went to seem natural. And, but I always have. It's always been something that I've, I've uh, connected deeply with. And so, yes, you know, I'm on the board of Extra Food, which is an incredible organization. I, I was an originally, uh, original member on the board, and Marv and I uh, and a few other people, you know, really sort of helped launch this. Marv launched it. I was just there to do whatever I could. But um, mm-hmm. it's about food replacement, uh, food, basically food for the for the insecure, the food insecure in this county, and it's surprising how much food insecurity there really is. So, it, you know, it's it's that's an important thing. And then what happened during the pandemic was, you know, we just shut down. We could have left takeout open. I just, oh, this will only last a couple of weeks, and we'll be back up. And you right. know, it, you know, it's not a problem. And because that's all I could think, I couldn't think of right, the worst right, thing that right. would go on. You know, I couldn't have that in my head. And so, after a couple of weeks, I thought, oh, this isn't going away. Mm-hmm. So I worked with extra food because I really wanted, I needed to get back in the kitchen. I came into the kitchen and the restaurant was dark because I was watering outside and I just, it just had this sort of sad sort of dead presence that I just thought, I, this can't go on. We just can't do this. So I got, I got a group of managers, particularly those who were not with families, had big groups in their family household, and we started cooking extra food 150 meals a day for two months it, then it ran even longer we did 10,000 meals and, and we did it as, as part of a GoFundMe and what I said in the GoFundMe Mark and I said it's my husband that we will we will keep the lights on we will pay the rent we will we will pay for food what we needed to do is we needed to take care of those workers who are not as we know there's a very vulnerable part of my staff who had no income who could not go on unemployment, who didn't have those, you know, securities that many Americans have. So I said, I just needed to take care of them. But we will get these meals out. We will take, you know. And so people responded. We, I think we raised about $110,000. It was, it was a wow. And it was so heartfelt. People, you know, every email that came in, it was so amazing on how people responded and so generously. So we we did that. We just did meals every day, and we when we and that was through a GoFundMe campaign. We did it through a GoFundMe, and we like I said, we gave grounds. This is where this money's going, and there's no you know there, we were very transparent, yeah. and um, and we did it with extra food being the recipient of these meals, 150 meals every day. Wasn't that great? Uh, it was great. That's like, that's, that's like it was. Yeah, yeah. And it felt that every day. Yeah. I was just so happy to have activity in this kitchen. To have people, yeah. you know, that we all just kind of—it's a team. It's a team. It's a yes. common goal to do something for the greater good, rather than you know just keep this restaurant without a pulse. And then about six weeks into the pandemic, we opened takeout only. Mm-hmm. And then what was it, June nineteenth? I think we opened outside only. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. and here we are again. It's like oh, wow, yeah. you know. So. That, that those things have always resonated. So you know, it's it's like what we we did. We haven't done it in a long time. We've done it. We, I, I helped St. Vincent de Paul in other ways, but my dad was a St. Vincent de Paul member. So what we did for about four years, we did it many years here, where we'd have a big St. Joseph's Day celebration. So my mother gave me a St. Joseph statue. 
Because, you know, that was a Italian thing, to have statues in your, your yard. Right. And so when I had, we bought our house, and my mom gave me the St. Joseph statue. <laughs> so now St. Joseph lives in our pastry department, mm-hmm. big statue of St. Joseph. And St. Joseph, just so you know, gentlemen, is the patron saint of the homeless, of families, and most importantly, pastry chefs. So it stays in there. So then we would have this grand St. Joseph's Day, the Italians, any reason during Lent to celebrate with food. So St. Joseph's Day is March 19th. And so they just have these incredible celebrations honoring St. Joseph. And they would bring people from the community, anybody, rich or poor, and everybody would have these you know, food-laden tables. So we did that for, I don't know how many years, eight years here. And all the proceeds went to St. Vincent de Paul. So what I decided is like, forget this. I said, let's just go to St. Vincent de Paul and feed them directly, you know? Right, right, right. So we did that for several years. You know, the weekend of March 19th of, of St. Joseph, we just, you know, our chefs and any, any volunteers, we fed, you know, 400 people this really delicious meal. And just, you know, I said, this was great. You know, it was great. We did it here. But I feel like, you know, I, I like the direct service. So that yeah. was fun, too. So we did that for. So, again, you know, it's it's something that feeds me. The community, taking care of my community that have so taken care of me is uh, number one. And nothing makes a awkward or bad situation better than good food. Mm. I mean, I mean, it's just amazing. You know, camping, you think of camping, you know, or something like that. You put, you inject good food into that. And people really appreciate it. If they're on, if they're down on their luck, or, or or whatever the circumstances are, to have a good meal when you're hungry is especially gratifying. It's one thing to eat when you're when everything's going great, which is great celebratory meals, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But there's that moment when you get that that hot steaming bowl of soup or whatever it is when you really are hungry, and it's just the best thing in the world. And that and that sounds like a lot of what inspires you to do this sort of thing. Yeah. Right. And you work with Lifehouse too, which I've done some work with, of course, and and the great chefs' events and all that kind of thing. And and it's just wonderful your sense of community and, and everything you've done for the restaurant business in, in Marin County and beyond is exemplary. I think it's it's a privilege. Oh, Jeff, thank you, thank you. So don't worry about tomorrow. Take it for today. Please join us next time when we welcome some industry movers and shakers to talk about the state of the hospitality industry. My name is Jeff Burkhart. Thanks for listening.